What's up, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Mastering Love and Life with Clifton Brantley. That's me, your host, Clifton Brantley. Today's topic we're going to talk about, man, we're going to talk about things that prevent you from growing. Things that prevent you from growing. Um, I was having a conversation with a young lady not long ago, and um, as we were talking, you know, the things that she was saying about about her, quote-unquote, personal development, let me know that uh, you're going to have a tough time (laughs) because of what you think personal development is and what you think you need to work on. But from that conversation, I got to thinking, man, what are the things that prevent people from from growing and getting better? What prevents people, even when they are doing, you know, trying to do work? What are the things that that like hinder that process? And so uh, that's what I want to talk about uh, in this episode. But let me let me let me. I want to start with a story. This story is going to set up. Uh, it's got kind of set up what I what I you know how I want to talk about this. But I was thinking about the reasons. I, don't laugh when I say this, okay? Uh, but I was thinking about the reasons that I never played in the NBA. By NBA, let me be clear. I'm talking about the National Basketball Association, right? Uh, the reasons I never played in the NBA. Now, most people who know me today probably have no idea that at one point in my life, I had NBA aspirations, right? And uh, the people that know me from high school, uh, they probably, people who know from high school, they probably, you know, they're probably, if they hear this, they're probably thinking, uh, he didn't have the skills to play in the NBA anyway, <laughs> Right? Okay, that's fine. But anyway, when I look at that time, you know, when I look back, uh, I believe I know why I never played in the NBA. And actually, I never even played in college, to be honest. Right? I, I never played at the at the next level beyond high school. And even in high school, I didn't play much. So you're probably saying, well, dang, how how... How are you going to go from not even playing a whole lot in high school to having NBA aspirations? Well, you know, just hang on. We'll get there, right? But the thing is this. I don't believe that the reason that I never made it to the NBA was not because – I don't believe it was because I was not good enough. I mean, sure, like I say, uh, I never got my skill level to NBA level. Right. I'm not saying that I was at NBA level and I just didn't make it. No. However, I've learned that the reason I was never good enough is the reason that I never played at a level beyond high school. And it's the reason why I didn't play much in high school. Okay, let me say that again. The reason that I was never good enough for the NBA is the same reason that I never played at the next level or even played a whole lot in high school. See, I believe the reason I ever played basketball at a higher level is because I did not understand what it took to get to that level. I thought I knew, but I was clueless. And 
I see this same cluelessness in a lot of people when it comes to uh, me helping them change their lives, right? What I realized, I mean, sorry, what I've realized is that uh, most people who want to have a successful life or marriage, they're not willing to do the things that are necessary to have that success. Yeah, they, they want a successful life and they want a successful marriage, but they aren't willing to do the things that are necessary, necessary to have that success. And the reason they don't do what is necessary is because they don't understand that doing is a result of becoming. You have to become the kind of person that will do the necessary things to have the life that you want. So I want to share five things uh, that could be keeping you from becoming the person that your successful life requires. Okay. Um, So I'm from Houston, Texas. Okay. And if you're from Houston and you are older than 35 and know anything about Houston basketball, then you've probably heard of the Fundy downtown. And you've probably heard of this guy named Dwayne Rogers. Okay. Now, to this day, Dwayne is literally a legend in Houston. But I guess, I don't know if you can be a legend and didn't stop being a legend. Uh, maybe O.J. Simpson, I don't know. <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, Dwayne's a legend in Houston. A, 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 he's a legend in basketball. Now, I did not hear of Dwayne until I was grown. So, like, when I was younger, I, I never heard of him, right? But I wasn't into basketball, quote-unquote, like that. I didn't hear of him until I was probably in my late late twenties. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a story that nobody knows about. Nobody knows this story but me. Okay, and because it's probably irre- it's probably not important for anyone to remember but me. So anyway, check this out. Every Saturday morning, we would go hoop uh, at this place off of Calvacade. I don't remember the name of the place. It was like a rec center type. Um, facility, right? So anyway, one morning, Dwayne came to hoop. Now, I did, I did not know who he was. Everybody in the gym knew who he was except me, right? I didn't, I mean, they was dapping him up and, you know, and I could tell they were a little excited because he was there, but I didn't know who he was. Now, let me tell you something about Dwayne. Uh, he's like 6'1", 6'1", 6'2", maybe. So when he walks in the gym, he, he doesn't even look like a basketball player. But now, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that because I definitely don't look like a basketball player, which I always used to my advantage when I was playing, right? Because people, oh, you know, we're not going to hold him, right? And so on this particular Saturday, that's kind of what happened, right? Uh, he came in, we picked teams, and uh, I ended up having to to guard him on defense. Uh, and he uh, he didn't, I wasn't wowed by anything that he was doing, right? But anyway, here's the thing that I remember. Here's the thing that I remember. Um, the game was tied, and I, we, I don't know, we was going to either 12 or 15 or something like that, right? Anyway, the game is tied, and I'm bringing the ball up the floor. Now, he's backing up and not really playing defense because, you know, um, he don't know me, I don't know him, and I obviously look like I'm nowhere in his class. I didn't know that at the time, and, you know, he didn't know me. So he's backing up, and so as he's backing up, like one thing I could do is shoot, 
right? And I'm just being honest. I could shoot with the best of them, right? So when I got to the three-point line, I pulled up, bam, hit the game winner. And so then he had to go sit down. But when the next team was getting ready to get on the floor, they picked him up to run. And I remember thinking, man, why they pick him up? Like, oh, they only picking him up because, because they know him, right? He's not that, I mean, okay, y'all should have picked up Bo, but y'all going to pick him up? Okay, fine. So then the next game, uh, well, let's just say I, I I didn't play the rest of the day. <laughs> After that, um, he 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 did what Dwayne does, okay? But even then, to be honest, I still didn't know who he was. I just know he could hoop, but I didn't know who he was. It wasn't until maybe a year or two later when I was um, at the Fundy watching the Pro-Am, right? Because every summer they have this program and, and pro athletes from all over the country would come to Houston to play, right? And they were calling him the legend. I was like, oh, that's that guy from the gym. Man, they, they call him the legend. And um, so as I'm watching the Pro-Am, sure enough, man, he lived up to his name um, at the Fundy, like, he, man, he, he was amazing at 6'1", 6'2". Like, he's not a tall guy, okay? Um, but here's the thing. Although I did not get to see him in his prime, I heard the many stories about how he pretty much killed every NBA player that ever came to the Fundy, right? And I'm talking, like, uh, Kenny Smith, Anthony Hardaway. Um, like, he killed pretty much all of the Rockets, so I heard, you know, back in the day. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you were if you were to ask Kenny Smith, who used to play for the Houston Rockets, he's on TNT right now. If you were to ask Kenny Smith if he knows Dwayne Rogers, it would be no question. Absolutely, I know. Yeah, of course, right. And I don't know what Dwayne is now. Um, I tried to find him. I hope he's still alive. To be honest, um, he's like I th- want to say like eleven years older than me, so he must be in his sixties. Uh, I'm fifty. Uh, but anyway, here's the thing about uh, Dwayne. And I admit, so what I'm about to say is hearsay. Okay, so you, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you want to. What I'm about to say is hearsay, because uh, I never saw him play in his prime. But it has been said by multiple people throughout, you know, my time in, you know, Houston basketball or whatever. Um, so here's what they say. He had the skills to play in the NBA. But the reason that he never played at the highest level was only because of his attitude. They said he was not coachable. And um, I was never close enough to him, even when I was watching him after his prime. I never got close enough to know, you know, the kind of person he was, kind of attitude. He was cool off the court. Uh, I know he talked a lot of noise, but Michael Jordan talked a lot of noise, right? Uh, but I, I, they say... Because of his attitude, he he you know he wasn't he wasn't coachable, and I know that was you know a long workup for this first point, but but this first point reminded me of that story, because here's the thing: if you are not teachable, then you are going to struggle to become the person that will do the necessary things to have the life that you want. You're gonna struggle. If, if you're not teachable, you're going to struggle. One of the things that Dr. Rick Marks taught me was that in order to grow, you must remain teachable. 
Think about this. Okay. So you know what you know. Like you know that you know your name. You know you know your address. You also know what you don't know. Right? That I know I don't know calculus. And I also know that I don't want to know calculus. But you don't know what you don't know. You feel me? Like, before you ever heard of me on this podcast, you didn't know that you didn't know me. You had no knowledge of me. And because you don't know what you don't know, that is the reason you must remain teachable because the answers that you need in order to become the person may reside in an area that you don't know that you don't know. You feel me? So number one, you must remain teachable. That's the first thing. Not staying teachable, not remaining teachable is going to hinder your growth process. It's going to hinder you becoming that person. Here's number two. Uh, another thing that will keep you from becoming is being comfortable with average. Being comfortable with average. Um, it has been said that the enemy of great is the good. And see, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself fighting against yourself, wondering why you're not changing. And the answer to the reason you're to, to why you're not changing is you have become too comfortable with average. If you want to be great at anything, if you want to be great at anything, you must make it not okay to be average. Do you understand that? Like when, when you get to average and you're comfortable, it's hard to move from there because all kind of things, like you have to have a certain, I believe a certain kind of push pass to push past uh, average because a lot of folk want, you want to fit in and you want, you want to follow the crowd. And so the crowd is average. And so if I separate from the crowd, then, you know, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. But here's the thing. You already stick out like a sore thumb. You just don't know it. You are the only you on this whole planet. There's not another you anywhere. Not, not one. And so when you take your uniqueness and try to make it look like everybody else's or you're comfortable fitting into the box of everybody else, you're never going to become the kind of person that's going to do the necessary things to create the life you want. So let me tell you a little bit about average, okay? Uh, the average marriage ends in divorce or roommates, right? Divorce or roommates, that's average. The average person in America makes less than $60,000 a year. Now, I know to some people that may sound like, you know, a decent living. Uh, I, when I was making, making $24,000, $60,000 would have sounded like a fortune. When I was making 30, still a lot of money. When I was making 40, it's like, ah, uh, you know, 60 is okay. Now, uh, and I don't think this is just me, the way the economy has gone, $60,000 a year, you're going to be in the, 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 lower, the lower class. You're not even going to be middle class. I don't believe. I know I couldn't. I I, I would. I could survive on sixty thousand. Let me say I couldn't survive. Right? 
But my whole lifestyle would have to change. And trust me, in my opinion, uh, I live a very modest lifestyle. I, I don't, I, I have nothing luxury or elaborate. But the average person makes less than $60,000 a year. Average seems safe, but it is actually dangerous. And the reason that average is dangerous is because life will not bring you average problems to go with your average mindset. Oh, no, no, no. Life is not going to cooperate with your averageness. And I can, I can attest to this myself because most of my life, if I'm honest, I lived at the average level. Right. And I, I, I would venture to say I didn't know any better. Yeah. When I say average, I mean like average for me. OK. Uh, most of my life, most of my life, my average was better than the people around me. So I didn't know that I was average. Right. Because I surrounded my people. My, I surrounded myself with average people. So sure enough, comparing myself to them. I had no need to push past average because I already thought that I was above average. And let me tell you, uh, I can attest that that has hurt me in my life. That, 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 because it was a long period of time. It, it, to be honest, it's only recently, maybe in the last five years, maybe in the last five years where I've really understood, hey, your average may be below average and you need to pick it up. Right. Your life has been too easy because you've been chilling in average. Once I realized that average was not good enough, I had to do the work of developing a more than average mindset. And sometimes today I still have to fight it. Why? Because I have a long history with it and it tends to creep up. So I want to encourage you. Do not settle for average. Look, God is extraordinary. God himself is extraordinary. And he, what he has planned for you is extraordinary. But you have to develop the right mindset to get it. There are some things that God has for you. He can't give to you because your mindset is average. So uh, your average mindset will keep you from growing. Here's number three. Uh, another reason you struggle at becoming that person is because you allow how you feel to dictate what you do. You allow how you feel to dictate what you do. When you treat your feelings as facts, that is a sign that you are emotionally immature. And if you're going to become the person that would do the necessary, th necessary things, to have the life that you want, you must learn to put your feelings in the right place. See, feelings are just signs, right? They're signs that are produced as a result of your thinking. When I say a sign, I mean, for example, like if you feel angry, it's a sign that says you believe you've been treated unfairly. And maybe you were treated unfairly, but your feelings of anger should not dictate how you respond to the treatment. See, we'll, we'll take our feelings, we'll feel something, and then we think that what the feeling is telling us is to respond in a certain way. No, the feeling is just telling you 
it's just your like you it's interpreting your environment you have to be mature you have to be at a mature place where you can feel what you feel and still respond to that feeling in an appropriate way but i don't just mean feelings that arise when someone threatens you in a certain way right but also feelings that come up when you have limiting beliefs about yourself the most feeling the most dangerous feeling for you to follow or to be led by is fear and the thing that most people who are trying to get to the next level are led by is fear here's the thing fear is always 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 about the future and guess what we have never known the future so when fear says uh, if you go back to school you won't be able to get all the work done and you're not going to be successful at being a student you won't and then you don't go to work i'm sorry you don't go to school it's because you believe what fear is telling you before it even happens, like fear is telling you when you make this future step, this is what's going to happen. And you believe it. So listening uh, to your feelings will get you in a world of trouble and it won't get you to the next level. Because here's the thing, your feelings are real, but they're oftentimes not accurate. They're oftentimes not accurate. Like I have a client um, who did not do what I told them to do. Because they felt it would not work. I shouldn't have said I had a client. I've had several clients. Because they feel, well, that's not right. Or I feel afraid to confront them that way. And that's not necessary. Okay. Um, if you want to become the person, you must overcome this, this habit of allowing your feelings to dictate how you operate. Right? You're in a marriage and... Your husband uh, hurts your feelings, and so in return, you stop talking to him, or you have an attitude, or you treat him bad. That's not the appropriate response to your feelings. Your wife, you know, burnt the food, or your wife, uh, you know, was texting a guy that you don't know. How you feel about that should not dictate how you respond to it. But the main point is this. If you don't get a hold of your feelings, your feelings will run your life. Right. What as grown people, when you don't feel like going to work in the morning, what do you do? You get up and go anyway. Why? Because that's what mature people do. My feelings say I feel like staying in the bed. I'm tired. But maturity says it don't matter. I got to get up and go anyway. That's the kind of maturity you need to get to the next level and not allow your feelings to dictate your moves. You feel me? All right. Number four, number four is this, uh, you think you know what you don't know. That's, that's going to call, that's going to, that's going to be a wall for you. It's going to be a barrier. Okay. You think you know what you don't know. In other words, you're too smart for your own good. You, you know too much. But you, you don't know what you think you know, right? Like last year when I met Dr. Myron Golden, he said uh, a good coach is going to tell you to do things that may be counterintuitive to, intuitive to you. And when people come to see me, 
they often already have an idea of what needs to be addressed and how. What I actually end up telling them is this. Uh, if you already have your own answers, why did you pay me for mine? Like, what made you come see me if you already knew? That's like going to the doctor. And uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, I remember one time I went to the doctor and my lymph nodes under my, under my chin were swollen. And she examined them or whatever. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking she's going to give me some medicine or say, okay, yeah, we got to drain it. Uh, she'd say we got to drain it. I'd have been like, okay, that sounds painful, but okay. If she'd have said, you know, it's swollen because you're eating too much sugar, I'd have said, okay. If she said, you know, it's swollen because um, of allergies, okay. What she said didn't make sense to me. My doctor said, um, you're probably not drinking enough water. What? What? So this thing is swelling under my neck because I ain't drinking enough water? And she tried to break it down and explain it, but it didn't make sense to me. But I was wise enough to, even though it didn't make sense, to follow her, her directions. And sure enough, as I began to drink more water, it stopped swelling. And I'm like, wow, she knew. Like she got a degree. She knew what she was doing, right? She went to medical school. But that's how we are. Like when, 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 when if, if you have a coach in your life or someone, if you're reading a book or whatever, if it don't make sense to you, right? Or not, not, let, me, let me not say if it don't make sense to you because that's not the point. The point is this. If you think you know what you don't know, if you know better than the expert, then you are probably not going to get to where you want to be because if you knew, you would be there already, right? The truth is sometimes what you think you know is the thing that is holding you back from growing, okay? You believe you are depressed, so you can't do better until you get some medicine, right? If that's your belief, and I have several clients who believe depression, the only answer to depression is medicine. Do you understand? For all of you, you know, um, people who, who love diagnosis and love the DSM, depression is not a medical issue. So medicine will never fix it. What medicine will do is make you be able to, it'll make you feel better perhaps and maybe make you function for a short time, but it's not a medical issue. Depression is a relational issue. Okay. You believe you can't, you believe you can only read one book at a time. So you push back when your coach tells you to grow faster. You know, I need you to read a couple of books a month. I can't do that because I can only read one at a time. You know, um, I used to think that there was no way that I was going to make more money than I was making two years ago because I knew I couldn't clone myself. And I couldn't make more hours in a day. And as far as I knew, those are the only two ways to make more money and still be self-employed. Like, well, I, But then when I listened to the advice of my coach, which at first did not make sense, here I am making more money than I, ever, than I, than I thought that I could, you know, two years ago. Why? Because I listened to someone who knew more than me. When you think you know what you don't know, that is going to keep you from becoming. And then this last one, 
All right, here's number five. Number five. So, so remember when I was saying I know the reason why I never played in the NBA, right? And it's not because I was too short. Right? There have been shorter people uh, in the NBA than 5'9". I'm 5'9". Shorter people have been in the NBA. So that ain't it. Uh, it's not because of my skill level, although, like, I could shoot with the best of them. My skills at the time were nowhere near being good enough for the next level. I get that. But that's not the reason. I never made it to the NBA. But before I tell you the reason why, before I tell you the reason why, let me tell you what I used to think was the reason why I didn't play basketball at the next level, even in college. Like, I used to think, you know, this, so what I'm about to share, this is the reason that I thought was why I didn't play in college and then, you know, venture on into the NBA or, or, or across overseas, whatever. When I played basketball, I did not have the support from home that I believe a kid needed. Okay. And then from that, when, as I was older, from that, I concluded if a child has skills, like if the child has desire and skills, a father who is supportive can help that child do anything, including play basketball at the next level. So I thought that, like, if I had a dad who was into basketball like me and would work me out and would, you know, uh, inter- I, I didn't learn anything about AAU until I had kids. I presume AAU was back in the 80s and 90s, but I didn't know anything about it. Well, I graduated in the 90s. So in the 80s, I didn't know anything about it. But my in hindsight, I'm like, man, if I just had a dad who was, like, really behind me, I could have made Like, I look at Steph Curry and his dad and, you know, um, Michael Jordan and his dad. Like, like, if I just had a dad behind me, that's what I used to believe. And then uh, 2020 happened, right? So I believed that, what I just shared, all the way up until 2020. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I didn't believe that up until 2020 because I think I probably changed it when um, when I had children and my son was playing AAU and I know that I was all in and 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 then but so <laughs> the the my belief changed from having a supportive dad to having the right kind of supportive dad. So I was like, man, I just wasn't supportive enough. Like I didn't do enough to get him there. And then uh, I believe that up until 2020. What you want to say? What happened in 2020? The last dance. The last dance. You know, now if you're a basketball fan, you know what I mean when I say the last dance. So the last dance is a documentary about the Chicago Bulls last championship run in, I don't know, I guess maybe in like 96. I don't know if it was 96 or 98. I honestly can't remember. Um, but it's their last um, play uh, championship run, and it's called The Last Dance. Now, I love watching this documentary because I had been a basketball, I mean, a Michael Jordan fan since I started playing basketball, right? I started playing basketball late in my life, not until the eighth grade, right? The first time I tried to play organized basketball was eighth grade. I tried out for the team, didn't make it. I couldn't understand why he was running back and forth on the floor. <laughs> I, I, All I could do was shoot. I had no idea. Why are y'all running back and forth? What is so obviously I wasn't playing no defense. I was just confused out there and I didn't make the eighth grade team. But I was crushed by that. But anyway, because I never really played basketball before that, and at the same time, 
Michael Jordan had just got on the scene, I started like mimicking him, right? I I just I I fell in love with Michael Jordan and the way he played the game. Most people I went to high school with to this day, when they see me, you're gonna hear them say, What's up, Jordan? That's that's how much I was into Michael Jordan, right? So imitating Michael Jordan did not get me any more playing time in high school, to be honest. It didn't get me more playing time in high school, but at the park, I was killing people at the park, right? I was killing people in, like, you know, at, at the park ball. I, I organized ball. didn't give me no more time in, in high school. Like, they put me in if they needed a three-something, you know. I, I didn't play much time, right? But um, I, I, learned to, I learned to shoot like Michael Jordan. I learned to drive like Mike. I stick my tongue out like Mike. And it, at first I was doing it, you know, trying to be like Mike. But then it just became how I played, to be honest, right? So long after I stopped following Michael Jordan as close, my game still looked like it looked because that's how I learned to play. And it served me well playing pickup ball. But then, you know, when I watched The Last Dance, I finally realized why I never had the chance to play in the NBA. Here's what it is. I did not fully understand what it took to play at that level. I had no idea. Here's the thing, and that's, that's the fifth reason, right? Uh, the thing that'll keep you from growing is you don't understand what all it takes to be great. See, you think that when you see somebody being great, and they do it with such ease. You think, oh, I can do that, right? We do it all the time. But for me, I had no idea. I, I really did. I had no idea that Michael Jordan put in the kind of work that he put in to be Michael Jordan. Completely clueless. And watching The Last Dance, I saw a side of him that I'd never seen before in my life. And I said, wow, okay, so that's why he was Michael Jordan. It's not just that he was talented, right? He was the first in the gym, the last to leave. He's, he, was, he, was, he was a monster off the court so that the game would be easy on the court. When I hear stories of Michael Jordan to this day, it amazes me how, like, story after story after story after story of NBA players who, uh, they play. They come into the league and they play Michael Jordan, and it's their first time playing him, and he's having a bad game. And they say something, and they wake up what they call a sleeping giant. They wake him up, and he ends up obliterating, obliterating them. Why did I try to say that word? You know how your tongue works, sir. Anyway, he, he ends up destroying them and basically say, don't disrespect me again. If that happened one or two times, you'd be like, man, that's, that's interesting. But it happened over and over. And my question is, how did this brother just literally put on a Superman cape and just turn it on like that at will? It ain't because God blessed him like that. Now, God did bless him with talent, you know, but his work ethic and what he, like, I knew nothing of that. If I had known the level of work it took, Back in the 80s, when I was getting into basketball, 
truthfully, I don't know if I'd have made it to the NBA, honestly, you know, I, I don't know. But I do know because of how much I was into Jordan, I know that would have forced me, because I know me, that would have forced me to to be in the gym all the time, working, 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 learning how to dribble, learning, because at my height, I had to be a point guard, right? But Michael Jordan, I wanted to be his position, but I'm not 6'6". So I knew how to shoot and drive, but I mean, and you go in there with those towers, you're not going to get that shot off. You need to be able to handle the ball, distribute the ball. That's why I didn't get a lot of time because they wanted me to play point guard position, which is what my size said I need to play, but my skills was shooting guard. <laughs> but I ain't had a size of a shooting guard. But if had I known what it took to really get to the next level, I possibly could have got there. And I'm telling you, you need to understand what it takes for you to be great in your life so that you put in the hard work and the effort to get there. So often people come into my office and they, 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 ha they have these issues and they think it's going to be a quick fix. They think, you know, um, I could just listen to the therapist talk a little bit and I'll be fine. No, you have to undo some childhood trauma. You have to, uh, you got to change the way you see the world. You got to, you know, Christians, and sometimes the Christians are the worst ones. Reading the Bible is not going to be enough. You need to study the Bible. You need to memorize scripture. You need to live the word. You going to church on Sundays is not enough. It's, it's, it's not enough. And so you need to understand the level of energy and effort it's going to take for you to get to the next level and decide if you want to put that in. But when you don't understand what it takes to change, it's going to hinder your growth. Okay? So be mindful of where you are and where you want to get to. Because the thing is, if, 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 if your life is going to be great, you already know you're the one that's going to have to get it there. I just told you a few weeks ago, you have to be 100% responsible for your life. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody's required to come help you. Nobody's required to save you. Your life is your business to run. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that you will put this in your, your treasure chest of things I need to know to get to the next level so that I can become the person that will do the necessary things to have the life, love and life that I desire. Okay. I'm Clifton Brantley, and I hope this was a blessing for you guys.